This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 374 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, Kentucky Performance Products, EcoVet, and Hindsight Vision. It's our Western Dressage Day. I'm Karen Abatista from Sarasota, Florida, and with me is... Tim Christensen, and I'm currently from Miami City, Florida. So, Tim, you were away this weekend, weren't you? I was out judging this weekend, yep. Um, uh, some little open shells and some very good competitors. Um, it was extremely, extremely hot. Um, I, it was it just very like warm, and I sweated so much I couldn't it, believe it. <laughs> So, um, what did you do this weekend? What did I do this weekend? Uh, ask me what I did yesterday. Okay, what did you do yesterday? I got a puppy. Ooh, cool. How old? I got an eight-week-old bull mastiff puppy. I am no longer going to have any furniture. I'll probably not have any drywall left in my house. And what oh, little yay. carpet I have left will be gone. He's eight weeks and- old and... 20 pounds. And what's his name? Winston. Because yeah. everybody needs a little puppy love now and then. Yes, they do. So it's been fun with a lot of people riding and, and you know, the clinics and, and lessons and just the enthusiasm has been so much fun. And I still am getting some lots of people calling from the clinic that we did in conjunction with the Florida Quarter Horse Group over in Port St. Lucie a few weeks ago. And so it looks like we're going to be gearing up for late summer and early fall now. I wanted to tell you, I've been getting a lot of emails from people who heard our first episode, which is really thrilling. Thank you, everybody, for the positive feedback and the questions. And I've gotten one question that I thought was really um, quite good, and it's one that I've, I've run into before, which is, what do the letters in the arena mean? So, Tim, I'm going to quiz you. Do you even do you know, now, do you know how to remember the letters? Do you know the letters in order? Um, probably not. I know there's A, B, C, D, E, F, <laughs> <laughs> G, and there's a P and a Q, and a, you know, yeah, I'm kind of running around the arena there, but now I have to confess I really don't, so. Um. Uh, well, I told you, I think uh, what I do with my kids sometimes, some of the young riders, is I make them play Scrabble in the ring. And uh-huh. that's a great way for them to learn the arena letters is they have to spell words. And remember one of our clinics, we did the dressage by the letters, which is really and fun. And that was great fun. Yes, that mm-hmm. was fun. Um, Where they have uh, to ride the letters in order, A, B, C, D, E. And it's a timed event. And uh, uh, the person with the fastest time wins. But anyway, that's not, the question was, what do they mean? And I found a couple answers to that one. Um, the, the one that seems to be the most correct, and I mean, if you can believe the internet, right? Um, most of the letters were chosen because the, of the German cavalry. A lot of our, our dressage today stems from um, the military in Europe. And the German cavalry had a 20 by 60 meter area between the barracks, which had the letters posted above the doors. Interesting. 
Um, another theory, though, which I've also seen is uh, goes even farther back, uh, where the letters were markings on the walls of the royal stables of the imperial German court. And the letters indicated where each rider's horse was to stand and wait for the riders. And the stable yard was believed to be large enough for the horses and riders to parade around for their morning exercise or in front of the king. And the letters stood for these German words, which I'm probably going to totally uh, annihilate here. Yeah, but, sure. <laughs> um, a was the exit, which is um, Ausgang. K was for Kaiser, which is where the emperor, the king was. F was for first, which was the prince. Uh, I don't know that I should even try the P word, but it was for the groom. V was okay. vassal servant or squire. E was, again, I'm not even going to try, but it was like an honored guest. B was a Bontrager. Oh, gosh. I hope nobody German is listening to this. Uh, standard bearer. Um, S was for the chancellor. Uh, R was writer, R-I-T-T-E-R, which was basically a knight. M was for a steward, and H was a Hofsmarschall, which was like a lord chancellor. So um, each of them had their own specific place they were supposed to be. But I thought that was pretty interesting because I never knew that. That's really interesting. That's a good, mm-hmm. that's good history. Well, let's remember that for some for some of the clinics. Um, good questions. Mm-hmm. Surprises. Well, well, good. And then, do you know the um, how to? Do you know how to remember your letters? No. Um, all king. Victor Edwards' special horses can manage really big, pretty fences. Well, there we go. Mm-hmm. I'll have to write that down. Um, so, all, And if you just have the small arena, it's all King Edwards' horses can manage big fences. And then RSVP are the yeah. other ones. So there you go. So it really has its roots way back in, in history, in European history. That's mm-hmm. really, really neat. So. We'll take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with our guest, who is Ellen DeBella of the Western Dressage Association of America. Wouldn't it be wonderful if your horse could enjoy a zone of repellency from pesky flies? Well, he can with EcoVet. EcoVet is an entirely new type of fly repellent, that is safe for horses and those applying it, offering a real alternative to toxic pesticides like pyrethrins. EcoVet confuses an insect's normal directional ability, the bug's GPS, if you will. So if it can't locate your horse, it can't bite your horse. Dr. Wendy Ying from the Driving Radio Show has been using it in South Florida, also known as the Jurassic Park of biting insects, and she just loves it. EcoVet's active ingredients are naturally occurring food-grade fatty acids that have been clinically shown to improve the condition of horses with difficult-to-treat sweet itch problems. EcoVet is effective on mosquitoes, ticks, noceums, as well as flies. You can visit EcoVet online at eco-vet.com for more information or to order. You can find EcoVet at Dover Saddlery Stores and EcoVets on Facebook. Just search EcoVet, E-C-O-V-E-T. 
Well, Ellen, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today on our episode on Western Dressage. And looking forward to having you enlighten us and our listening audience into the history of Western Dressage and, and where it came from, how it started, um, and where we're headed. So I guess what that is, where did it start with? How did it originate? Well, first of all, Tim, thank you so very much for your generous invitation to appear on this program. Uh, actually, uh, the Western Dressage Association of America is going to celebrate its sixth birthday next week on July 26th. We uh, were first incorporated in the state of Colorado as a um, association dedicated and committed to education about the new discipline of Western dressage. It really came about because a number of horsemen came together and saw a great need for some teaching skills and better uh, physical and riding skills uh, for our Western riders and Western horses across all breeds. And they felt that the discipline of classical dressage, the strengthening of the horse, the balancing of the horse, the emphasis of a partnership between horse and rider would be the perfect uh, mode to use to do this teaching. So that's how we began. Interesting. Now, has there been any form of like Western dressage or, or Western dressage patterns in any other breeds previous to all of this? Well, actually, uh, <laughs> there, ha there are uh, any number of Western disciplines, whether it's Western riding, whether it's uh, individual uh, work with a cow, whether it's reining, that use uh, some dressage principles. And many of the very most successful uh, horsemen and trainers in those disciplines have used dressage for years in order to school and educate their horses. So we didn't have anything formal, but for sure it's always been there. Great. So you have this group come together and have this, this great desire and idea um, to create a whole new discipline. Um, once you incorporated, you did all of the, the I'm assuming, assuming the illegal aspects of, of organizing an association. How, where did you begin to market it? Where did you go with well, it? Well, um, we began, um, of course, with attorneys here in Colorado. If you're going to do anything with an equine association or really almost anything these days, you better ask an attorney first. Um, yeah. It's call me now or call me later, and now is probably the better choice. Yeah. Uh, so we began with that, and our first idea to market and really launch Western Dressage was to launch it uh, in association with the World Equestrian Games, which were held at the uh, uh, horse park in Lexington, Kentucky, in uh, 2010 in September, August, September of 2010. And um, in order to do that, we asked a wonderful horseman, a wonderful gentleman, and a friend of mine for many, many years, uh, if he would do this for us. Uh, the gentleman's name was Aton Bethelachny, is Aton Bethelachny. 
and he was taking a Morgan Stallion and was going to perform in the opening ceremonies, and so he had Western dressage clinics scheduled during the World Equestrian Games for the entire week. And we kind of passed the hat among the founding board, came up with a very handsome sum of money, and uh, (laughs) supported on financially to go there. Uh, Unfortunately, he um, uh, had a heart issue and collapsed, came off his horse during the opening ceremonies. And so the Western Dressage Clinics, uh, fortunately for us, were uh, handled by other horsemen, including a wonderful individual from Florida, Lynn Palm. And oh, yes. so that was our first marketing effort. Great. And Lynn Palm, is, is, I have to say, was very instrumental in bringing me into this. Um, so, well, so thank you to her. I'll just tell you, yep. Lynn Palm is dynamite. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we'll have her so, on here one of these days. She's just yeah. got a busy schedule right now. Yeah. So, so when did you begin having competitions, and how did you how did you roll it out real briefly? Well, actually, um, we began with one breed, uh, the Morgan breed, and the reason for that is um, one horse. Really, the horse's name is Holiday Compadre. He's a Morgan Stallion. He's 29 years old today, and I'm looking out the window, and he's in his grass paddock. Ah, you're our, I was going to say, is that your horse? <laughs> well, he's on And now life- it's all becoming clear. <laughs> he's on lifetime lease when he was no longer sound to dance and perform. Aton and his wife generously sent him to me to live out his retirement years, so he lives with his children, his sons and daughters, and his ladies here, and he is treasured. So Western Dressage really began in the Morgans because the Morgans had seen this remarkable individual horse, Holiday Compadre, take victory passes out of the show ring after winning a Western Pleasure Championship, where he did flying lead changes to Tempe lead changes, where he just did all sorts of amazing things, and people said, wow, What's that about? Well, it's a good reason to use Western dressage in your training and preparation of horses uh, for any type of performance. So it began with Morgan, um, a wonderful friend of mine from Texas, Georgie Green, who's a longtime board member of the United States Equestrian Federation, uh, was very instrumental in helping us. And Morgan shows began to offer Western dressage. Then, uh, in 2013, uh, USCF recognized WDAA as the national affiliate for the discipline of Western dressage. And it's just, we've been gangbusters since then. You um, certainly have. <laughs> yeah. So, once again, and that was one of the questions. Um, so, WDAA is under the umbrella of the USCF, the United States Equestrian Federation. Um, yes, so, is. so, so Western Dressage Association of America would really then be probably the governing voice, um, for Western Dressage in the future of Western Dressage. Well, I, 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 I think that we are the educational voice, you know, okay. we're, um, we're an educational 
Association. Our focus is teaching people, teaching horses, promoting this wonderful discipline. We work hand-in-hand with USDS on any number of uh, programs. We um, provide constant input to them on rules for the discipline of Western dressage. We work um, hand-in-hand with them, educating and training judges and officials, although USDF does the licensing. We write tests for Western Dressage that WDAA owns in terms of copyright. And we don't so much govern as we teach. As guides. Can we we talk a little bit about the judge licensing? Because I know that's a, a... huge program that WDAA has developed uh, well, trying so to educate the judges. Hmm? I'm so glad you asked that, Karen. Um, educating, there are really, in my view, three parts to, or three focuses in educating people about Western dressage. You need to speak to trainers. We have a train-the-trainer program, very active and gone out and put on clinics all over the United States. Uh, You need to educate exhibitors, and we are still developing that because that's a huge undertaking. But uh, educating and training judges Mm. is uh, critical if a discipline is going to grow and thrive because you have to have knowledgeable uh, judges and officials and so we work very closely with USCF on that. Now, WDA is responsible for creating the educational program. And right now that consists of uh, every winter, probably in Feb- February in, in past years, we have a judge's seminar. And I have been to your judge's seminar. Well, what year did you come? I went the very first year and... Um, one of the things that you said in your judges seminar that I absolutely love, um, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think it's just very profound, um, is that riders and trainers will emulate what judges reward. And that is a huge responsibility for WDAA and USCF to make sure that the judges are rewarding the behavior that we want reproduced. And, well, and you clearly, you clearly learned everything. Uh, <laughs> but please do come back to another judges school. This year's judges school, or in 2017, it will be held here in Denver. So you can fly in, go to judges school, and then maybe sneak up to those beautiful mountains to ski a little bit. Um, so we have judges school, and uh, we've worked very closely with the USDF licensed officials committee on creating a step-by-step how-to-do. And we uh, recommend that every uh, individual interested in becoming a Western dressage judge begin by going to judges school. And it's now two days, and probably next year will be two and a half days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do lots of um group practice judging on videos of tests and everybody scores them, write practices, writing comments, and then the whole group goes over them, uh, led by two amazing women, Debbie Real Rodriguez and Joyce Swanson. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do quite a bit of education on Western tech 
because many of the wonderful judge applicants that come to us come from the dressage world, and Western tack is a mystery to them. So <laughs> and there's a lot of it. <laughs> oh, yes, there is, and it costs a lot, and it's so fun to buy. And, <laughs> and then the second, um, uh, then, uh, the second part is um, an online testing program, and that mm-hmm. involves a judge applicant uh, enrolling in this, and looking at uh, Western Dressage tests, and there's proprietary software created for us by a custom software group that uh, allows you to score the test, score each movement as you watch the test, and type in your comments. That online test is reviewed by two licensed Western Dressage judges and scored. Then... Uh, and that score, of course, goes to uh, USCF and its licensed officials committee. Then we um, have a requirement for apprentice judging. And uh, you're required to apprentice judge three times. In order to help uh, judges fulfill that requirement, WDAA has created a group apprentice judging program that we hold at our world championship show. Uh, which this year is September 29th, 30th, October 1st and 2nd in Guthrie, Oklahoma at a beautiful, beautiful facility, the Lazy E, that's really kind of in a park-like setting. It's just lovely. And that group apprentice judging program allows a group of no more than 10 apprentice judges to work with a licensed Western dressage judge who is an expert. One of our, uh, well, we have three this year, one is Debbie Real Rodriguez. Another is Charlotte Trentleman from Florida. Who's oh, yes, we know Charlotte very well. And Joyce Swanson is the third. Uh, and the judges will, the group apprentice judging program, will take them through judging Western dressage rail classes and tests from uh, intro, basic, first, second, third level. And it is... It's a wonderful program. We offered it for the first time last year, uh, learned from our mistakes, and we think mm-hmm. it's going to be vastly better this year. So we uh, work with USCF in apprentice judging. So when a Western Dressage judge is licensed by USCF to judge, they receive either a small R or a large R. In order to be promoted from a small R to a large R, um, they have to um, judge three additional shows and uh, receive reviews on that. And it's a, it's a rigorous educational and testing program that we're pretty proud of. And right now we have uh, 35 uh, judges who have USCF Western Dressage licenses. Uh, five of them have small R's, the other have large R's. So, Tep, could you just, for the people that don't know, uh, that don't come from the dressage background, can you explain the difference between the small R and the large R? Uh, A small R judge in most breeds and disciplines is limited in uh, what they can judge. In Western dressage, they're limited by level. And we've we've proposed a rule change to to, uh, USEF that would allow a small R judge to officiate um, intro basic and first level. Uh, mm-hmm. To officiate above first level, you have to have a large R, which in, in the USCF world 
the large R indicates that you have reached the highest level, unless, of course, you're an international judge, but that's not part of this conversation, really. Now, are you going to have S judges, too, like we like in regular uh, dressage? No, uh, that is so far in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Am I jumping ahead? <laughs> uh, yeah, just a little bit, Karen, and I'm going to let somebody much younger than I <laughs> deal with that a few years from now. Okay, so I'm sorry. I, I just I I know that that's a a question I get asked sometimes is what do the letters mean after the judge's name? So thank and you for taking a great that time. Question. That's a great great question. I get emails all the time from people, and that's one of the ones I get. How do I get to be a judge? So when we get questions like that from people, we work with our staff to create. Uh, articles for our newsletter and to go up on our website that actually detail that process. Okay. So if someone wanted and to look ex- up, you go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, from an exhibitor's um, perspective, for those who will be listening, is that's one of the things that I have been very impressed with going into the Western dressage and even into some of the dressage is the consistency of the judging of the scores. Some are a little higher, some are a little lower, but I can really see the the rigorous um, investment that these judges have put in into this program. So for those who are listening to it from an exhibitor's point of view, it's it's really um, refreshing um, to, to have that kind of quality of judging program. Well, thank you so much, Tim. That, that really is wonderful to hear because um, WDA takes it very, very seriously and works very closely with USCF to make sure that we deliver the product, which is a, a well-trained, well-educated judge, uh, core of judges that provides a consistent input to our exhibitors. So right after this next commercial, we will come back and we will find out more about the Western Dressage Association's awards and point programs and their upcoming world show. She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box. She could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, two, one. Have a great ride. She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. Her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability. Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. So, Ellen, um, I know that in 2016, um, WDA launched a a new program with points and achievements. Can you kind of just give us a little uh, overview of that for the horse and the riders? I'd be delighted to do that, Tim. First of all, you need to know that the person who has been the godmother to this program is another Florida person. 
Uh, Tori Blankenship is her name, and she has Missouri Foxtrotters because we had gated, we have gated horses also in Western Dressage. And uh, Tori's suggestion was that WDAA needed to find a way to recognize and celebrate the achievements of a horse as that horse went up through the levels of Western Dressage, becoming more skilled and a better partner. And so we created, uh, thanks to Tori's inspiration and very hard work, a program called the Lifetime Points and Awards Program. And that program uh, turned out to be a little more complex than we initially thought. We thought, well, we'll just find a little software program and the staff can enter these things and track all this. Probably not. Turns out that we had to <laughs> um, hire uh, custom software built for us. But Never that easy, it, is it? No. no. And here's the good news. It's done. It's launched. It's on our website now after months of uh trial runs, I think they call it beta testing in the software world, and I made a wonderful contribution. I haven't touched it, so it's not broken yet. <laughs> there you go. I well, can't, so, yeah, there's, there's an so do we have it. like registers of merits, um, superiors, or just a brief, yes. what do we have there? No, no. Uh, you, you go up levels, and you can go to our website, click on the points and awards program. If you go to the homepage on our website, westerndressageassociation.org, you will see um, all sorts of links where you can click. And uh, as part of this Lifetime Points and Awards program that stays with a horse, not horse and rider only, but with a horse throughout its lifetime, um, a horse goes through Register of Merit and on and on and on. And this year at our World Championship show, just before it starts, we'll have what we call our honors luncheon. And we will recognize all of those wonderful horses who have achieved this terrific recognition. And, and just they're just outstanding individuals. And our goal was not just to recognize levels of achievement, but to work very hard to add value to the horses that participate in Western Dressage. Unfortunately, we live in an equine world where you have to give people reasons to own a horse, care for that horse, enjoy that horse, love that horse. And it's a serious horse welfare issue for this country, probably for the whole world, but certainly in this country. And many of our horses in Western Dressage, pardon me for going off topic a minute, I promise to get back, but That's fine. many of our horses in Western Dressage are on a second or even a third career. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, we've yes. found that to be true. And yep. it's wonderful for the horses. It's wonderful for older riders like me who can get on a horse that has some age and a few miles on it and be more likely to have a good, safe ride. Uh, little old ladies don't bounce as well as young ones do when they come. And that, that point that you just brought up, and I've called it repurposing these horses, and one of the things that I'm excited is is that I own a, an, an AQHA World Champion Halter Horse who's an eight-year-old gelding, and those who are familiar with the Halter World, what do you do with an aged Halter gelding? One day I was watching him out in the pasture, and I thought, you know what, he's a pretty good mover. Send him over this 
several months ago to a local place, had him broke out, and we are bringing him out to the World Show this year. Um, he now has a career. So um, I'm glad that you brought that up because it's been very instrumental in revitalizing a lot of horses' careers. Um, yeah, and the two so the that, two mares we're bringing, they were former Western show horses, right? Western show horses, yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, well, so now bring us right into the world show. Um, yes. I'm so excited. Yeah. It is going to be the most fun. Um, the show is going to be held at the Lazy E Arena, Guthrie, Oklahoma, which is just off I-35. And uh, the Lazy E is a beautiful facility on many, many acres, green grass, white fences, lots of trees, a huge pond that wanders through the trees. We have an enormous indoor arena that will accommodate three rings as well as a warm-up area. And we have a beautiful covered arena, no sides on it, but a good roof on it, uh, that will accommodate uh, at least one arena. Wow. Plenty of warm up area. And it's beautiful. You're out in the country. Well, and the world shows kind of, I mean, it's exploded because the first year you had how many rings and how many days? Well, the first year we had one ring in one day. (laughs) And then (laughs) last year. Last year's show, um, we were full. We were oversubscribed on entries so quickly it was kind of scary. Now, this is the first year that WDAA is putting on uh, our world show on our own. In the past years, uh, the Pinto Association has very generously uh, uh, managed our show and held it in conjunction with Color Breed Congress in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But those dates were early November, and that's a little late for some parts of the world, not Florida, of course, but some of the rest of us. Yeah, we're just getting going. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, if you're coming down from Canada, and we have a number of exhibitors who do, or you're coming from Minnesota or New England, it's very intimidating. So we have much earlier show dates, and one of the wonderful things that does is allow Morgan Horses, where Western Dressage really started, to come to our world show, because it's the weekend just before... The Morgan World Championship is held down the road 30 miles in Oklahoma City. Oh. And they have their Western dressage classes on their very first weekend. So we're hoping that Morgan exhibitors will come, show at our world show, lay over for a couple of days, trail riding, just enjoying the pond, the trees, the green grass, everything, before they head down to the Morgan World Championship and compete in Western dressage there. That's smart. Well, I hope it's smart. We'll find out, won't we? Well, we're looking forward to it. We came out last year and we had a ball. So we're bringing a, a nice group this year and we are really looking forward to it. And, and the Lazy E has a, is a legendary name um, in the equine world as far as showing and, and events. So we're looking forward to it. So, thank, thank you have so a much for day. your time, Ellen. Yes, thank you, Ellen. 
Go out and hug a horse. You'll have a better day. Well, safety when we're hauling our horses is the most important thing. And it's something that we all fret about. Anybody that hauls horses thinks about what's going on back there. Is my horse okay? We're all, I, it just is human nature for us to worry about our horses in the trailer, especially if you have to stop quick or you're making, you, for some reason, you had to swerve to miss something and you know that the horses got uh, jerked around a little bit back there. Well, you can solve all that worry. You don't have to worry anymore. All you need is one of the trailer cameras from Hindsight Vision. And these are truly the best on the market today. We got to test them. Jennifer and I have tested them. We use them. We have our own set now. And we use it uh, every time we haul horses because it just takes the worry out of what's going on back there. These cameras were made originally for rowing teams. So that the, so that the lead guy, the guy that yells all the instructions, he's facing backwards. So he could actually see, they put the camera on the front and the monitor between his feet and he could actually see what was going on. And so they're made durable, tough. They're made water resistant. Uh, and the nice part is they're wireless. So you, they work, uh, they work on a kind of a radio frequency thing. So they're hundred percent wire free. Uh, you don't need a power source either. That's the cool part is the monitor and the camera will last up to four hours. Now you can plug them in if you want. You can tie your camera permanently into the wiring in the trailer. You can do that. That's no problem. And you can put up to four cameras on one monitor. So if you have a larger trailer or your horses are separated, I know some of the drivers have horses in the front, horses in the back, and carriages in the middle. So you might need two cameras in that kind of setup. Uh, they, You can get suction cups for the cameras. You can get hard mounts where you can screw the the mount right into the trailer. Uh, there's a number of different mounting options that you can find. But I'll tell you what, we love these things. We love the picture is is really good. And it's 2.4 gigahertz wireless so that the it's it's a really good wireless connection. And the, the picture is really, really good. It's not grainy and fuzzy like you would expect that most of these cameras are. So it's a higher end system, but it's one that really works. It's going to last you a while and it's tough. You can find more information at hindsightvision.com. Uh, so right. so uh, let's, uh, let's be safe about it and go to hindsightvision.com and order your camera system today. Well, I don't know about you, Karen, but I sure am looking forward to hearing those mics next time. This seems a little more difficult on these phones. And I think that we probably owe everybody a little bit of an apology. It's not probably as crisp and clear as we'd like it to be, but we'll, be, we'll have those mics next, uh, next time. So... Um, and Karen, um, when we come back, you're going to have a great tip for us, correct? Correct, I do. I, I've been preparing all month for this. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. All right, so our training tip this month is the elusive circle. We're going to find circles in all of our tests starting at intro with our 20-meter circle and working all the way up to 10 meters and uh, smaller voltage as we get into level three and above. And one of the things I see a lot from the judges' booth is abstract geometrical figures. I see circles with flat sides. It's kind of like deflate gate. You know, um, I see pentagons, octagons, uh, figures that have no names. 
Uh, it's extremely, extremely hard to ride an accurate circle. So a lot of times uh, when we go out and we do clinics, we spend a lot of time on just helping riders find a way around. And I uh, emphasize round, R-O-U-N-D. So um, a great way to school your circles, if you have a partner or a friend uh, that you can rope into doing this with, is you uh, your friend can stand in the middle of your circle and hold a lunge line. And one end of the lunge line goes underneath the stirrup uh, on the, just kind of anchor it with the ball of your foot uh, with your inside uh, foot in the stirrup. And then your partner holds the other end and stands in the middle of your 20 meter circle. And your job as a rider is to keep that line from dragging on the ground or from pulling your leg out of the socket which can be quite fun for the person on the other end of the line. Um, and you'll soon discover that the corners have magnetic pulls to them. You know, you'll start drifting into the corner and your leg is going to start pulling out farther and farther and farther. Um, or you're going to start falling in on the other side of the circle and uh, the line's going to start dragging on the ground. So you just practice that walk, trot, canter until you can keep that line completely taut and you can change the length of your line to do 20 meters, 50, uh, 15 meters, 10 meters. Um, if you do not have a friend, that sounds so sad, doesn't it? Um, if you have no friends, you can do this by yourself and you can just take a stake and stake one end of your line in the ground at the center of your circle and at Home Depot or Walmart, get, pick up a can of some non-toxic uh, spray paint, like landscape paint, and just spray paint a circle in your ring or on the grass or wherever, and then practice riding that line. And again, you'll, you're going to try to ride that line and see where you deviate. And that's going to tell you where you need more outside guarding aids or more inside bending aids. And it's just going to keep you uh, confirmed on the line of travel. From the rider's perspective, you know, you want to kind of visualize yourself from above. You want to picture yourself and try to steer that outside shoulder, outside being the side towards the rail or the inside is your inside bending side, the side towards the center of the ring usually and the outside being the side closest to the rail. And you want to steer that outside shoulder around on your circle line. Um, what we also see a lot from the judge's perspective is there's no differentiation between your 20-meter circle at A or at C and the corners before and after the circle. So you want to make a clear distinction between a corner and a circle. So you want to make sure that you ride through your corners. You want to start your circle at A or at C, finish your circle at A or at C, and then ride a corner after your circle. And again, little details. Corners are something we call modifiers in judging speak. And if you're on a kind of 
in between letters, uh, in between letters, I'm sorry, in between numbers, you're thinking, hmm, was that a seven? Was that a, was that an eight? Well, if your, your rider shows they can navigate a clean corner without speeding up or slowing down or losing balance, and there's a clear distinction between a corner, the circle, and then the corner that follows, that's a reason to go up in your score. And that could make the difference between a 7, 7.5, and an 8, which, you know, we all like to see those 8s on our tests, don't we, Tim? Well, yes, we do. Um, So, anything you want to add to the circle corner conversation? I think that sounds really good. So, just in a recap, so we've done it in our clinics. If we're going to take the lunge line, someone will hold it and stand in the middle of the circle, and they'll put the edge just at the edge of the lunge line, just under the ball of the foot, correct? Yes. So we don't actually attach it to the stirrup. No, that's Um, for safety reasons. I would step on it. So just put it under the ball of the foot. The second one I thought was a really good one, too, to stake out with, you know, a stake in the middle and then take the spray paint and, you know, walk your 20-meter circle with the rope and then be able to trot around on the spray painted line. I thought that was those were excellent. Yeah, and you can also, you know, you can always fall back on cones and other markers if you need to. Um, But this seems, for the riders that I've worked with, this seems to really do the job and really show them what a circle needs to be. Total Saddle Fit has the cinch that you've been looking for for your Western dressage saddle. The shoulder relief cinch actually changes the position and angle of the billets to prevent the saddle tree from interfering with the shoulder. The center of the cinch is set forward to sit in the horse's natural girth groove, while the sides of the cinch are cut back to meet the billets two inches behind where the horse's natural girth groove lies. This brings the latigos from angling forward to becoming perpendicular to the ground, which reduces the saddle's tendency to be pulled forward into the shoulders. With horses that have shoulder interference without angled billets, it simply moves the billets back to keep the saddle further away from the shoulders. The secondary benefit to this shape is the cutback at the elbows. This gives more room for elbow movement as well and prevents galls in the elbow area. You can find the shoulder relief cinch at totalsaddlefit.com. That's totalsaddlefit.com. Wow, that, sure, that was really a fun show today with um, Ellen. We learned so much. I'm really looking forward to next month. You know, we'll have another great show we'll be bringing to the listening audience, um, you know, if you can want to reach me or you can reach me at www.trainingforlife with F-O-U-R is how we spell for, um, all one word.com. Um, we've already had some great response I have from people up north who are coming down this winter. Um, we also have the Sunshine Classic, www.thesunshineclassic, all one word.com, um, that highlights some of the horse shows that I put on and Karen joins me with the dressage. And if you are coming from up north for this for this winter, we encourage you to check them out. And Karen, what's your website? My website is Karen Abatista. Hardest part is spelling my name: A B B A T T I S T A. Dressage dot com. 
and feel free to check that out. Uh, there's some uh, articles that I've written for Florida Sport Horse Magazine in there. There's a blog. Um, there's some entertaining and educational information. Um, and certainly, we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear what you want to know. What do you have questions about? What are you struggling with? What doesn't make sense to you? Um, we're here to be a resource. We want to answer questions. We want to help you in your journey. Um, Western dressage is all about the journey, but it doesn't mean you have to go it alone. There are people out there to help you. There's resources available, and we want to be one of them. So we hope you tune in to us next month uh, when we bring you another great episode with another great guest, and we will look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, 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 oh,